Hello, and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Look at chapter 35, down at verse 23, just to set the stage. This series of sermons that I'm preaching, I'm not sure you can really call them sermons as much as uh, maybe instruction. It's what I hope they are, that we have a better appreciation for some of the people of the Old Testament and how the Lord actually worked through their lives. And that's what I hope we can accomplish by, by this particular series of sermons. And I do appreciate, Jesse, what you had to say, and Mary, for your testimony of song. That was tremendous. It uh, was certainly inspiring. You'll notice Isaac, or Jacob, I should say, Jacob has 12 sons. They're listed in verses 23, 4, 5, and 6. And I only make reference to this because of a couple of important points. One is we need to identify who Joseph is, and then we're going to look to see why the line of Israel did not come down through Reuben, which was the oldest son of, of Israel. So remember that uh, uh, Jacob had two wives and two concubines. He got the first wife by default. He didn't want her. Her name was Leah. And he got, uh, had to work seven more years in order to get Rachel. And Rachel could not have children, and each one of the wives gave their their servant girls, concubines, to, to him. And so he had children by four different women. And Leah had six boys. They're listed there in verse 23. The oldest one's name is Reuben. And then comes Simeon, and then Levi. And then, of course, there's Judah, and there's Ishkar, and Zebulun. Now... Rachel is listed next in these verses by having two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. And then we have the sons of the uh, two handmaids. Uh, Billah had two children, Dan and Naphtali, and Zilpah had two, and their names were Gad and Asher. And I suppose you say, well, so what? They had a whole bunch of kids, and maybe most of those won't mean too much, except at a point. Now, if you go to verse 37, where we really want to begin tonight, we find that Jacob is dwelling in the land where his father was a stranger. That is, they, they came to the land of Canaan. And it lists the fact that, uh, that the generations of, of Jacob. Uh, Joseph, verse 2, was 17 years old. And he was out with four of his brothers, that is, the children of the two handmaids, they apparently were out tending the sheep, and he was with them. And it gives us a little note as to this ornery scoundrel as to what he was when he was a little boy. In the uh, second verse, at the very end of it, Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. What it amounted to is Joseph told on these four boys. He tattled. He saw what they did and went running home to Daddy and told Daddy what those four ornery boys had done, and that didn't set 
too well with those boys, and so they began to develop a hatred for Joseph. Joseph didn't help matters any because he sort of egged things on. He was a dreamer, and verse 5 tells us that he dreamed a dream, which just added fuel to the fire. Matter of fact, he dreamed two dreams that he tells us about. The first dream is identified beginning in verse 7, when he dreamed a dream about being out in the field and doing some binding of the sheaves, probably wheat or rye or barley, which were put into sheaves and were bound and, and set in shocks in the field. So he dreamed that they were out bringing in the, the harvest of these sheaves, whatever they were, and he said he dreamed that everybody's sheaf of the 11 brothers of his all bowed over to his sheaf. And they immediately interpreted that. Joseph was saying that the day was going to come when they were all going to bow themselves to Joseph. And they didn't like that very well. Uh, nobody really knew that what was coming, but here was a prediction as to what really would happen someday. Well, he had another dream, and this time he dreamed about the sun and the moon and 11 stars. And he said, all the sun and the moon and 11 stars did obeisance to me in uh, verse 9. And he even told this one to his father as well as to his brothers, and they all marveled and saying, you mean to tell me that even mother and dad and all of us boys are going to bow to you someday? And they interpreted that way. And so verse 11 tells us that the brethren finally begin to envy. That's a little stronger than just envy as we would think of it. They, they were envious of his position because his father loved him so much. But they were beginning to develop a hatred for him because he was always putting them down. He told on them when they did wrong. He now has dreams, and in, even in the dreams, they're beneath him. And they don't like this. And besides, his father loved him so much, being the, the oldest son of his favorite wife, that he made him a coat of many collars. And you've heard of that coat all your life, Joseph coat of many collars. Well, the day came. You'll find it over uh, following uh, all verse, uh, verse 20 and following that, that uh, he was sent, Joseph was sent out into the fields as a young man, just 17, 18 years old, to check on his older brothers, see how they were getting along with with the herds and, and the flocks. And uh, they looked up and saw him coming, and the boys began to talk amongst themselves and say, here comes that dreamer, let's kill him. Now Reuben was the oldest one of the bunch, and he heard the boys conniving this, and he tried to stop them, and he said, no, let's don't kill them. Let's just put him in a pit. There were dry wells in, the, in that country uh, that had no water in them, and so they took Reuben's advice and put him down in the pit. It was Reuben's idea that later on he'd sneak around and get him out of the pit and return him back home before these boys actually killed him. And as they were sitting around probably the campfire or sitting around noontime, 
Yeah, in the, the leisure time of the day, they looked up and they saw a company of Ishmaelites. You'll find that word in verse 25, that were coming through the land, heading toward Egypt. And so they got the idea, Judah did, hey, let's don't kill him, let's sell him. Let's sell him as a slave to the Ishmaelites, and they'll take him down to Egypt, and they can make some profit up, but we'll get rid of him. We won't kill him at all. Let's just sell him. And so that's what they did. Now, Reuben was, was away from the scene at the time. When he came back, the boy had been sold, and he was distraught. They took his multicolored coat off of him, and so in order to cover up their, their deed, they dipped that coat in the blood of a, a kid out of the herd of goats, and, or, the, or the flock of goats, and uh, went back home with it and showed the coat to their father, indicating that evidently your son has been killed out there in the wilderness, and we just happened to find his coat all smeared with blood. Isn't this his coat? And of course, obviously it was. Nobody else had a coat like it. All right, that begins to get us into the picture. Now we've got to go to verse or chapter 39, we'll leave 38 alone because that doesn't deal with Joseph particularly. But in verse 30, in chapter 39, we find that he now has been taken into Egypt and he was put on the auction block and he was sold as a slave. And in the very first verse, we find out who bought him. A fellow by the name of Potiphar, who was the captain of the guard of the prison, an officer of Pharaoh's army, in charge of the guard. He bought him and made him a servant in his house. Now, remember, we know that he is in late teens now or early 20s, a fine, strapping-looking young man, and Potiphar's wife took a liking to him, and she tried to seduce him, and Joseph had enough character about him to refuse. We do not hear that happening too often, that, that a boy would refuse the advances of a girl or woman, but he certainly did. And he, she was so insistent that she grabbed hold of him and had a hold of his coat, and he ran right out of it. And of course, this embarrassed Potiphar's wife and made her angry, and so she accused him of attempting to seduce her, and when Potiphar came home, she told him the story, and Potiphar put him in prison. Now, it would seem that that's an awful thing to do to, uh, to an honest young man who was fair in everything that he had done, but there he finds himself in prison. And in chapter 40, uh, we see that there are two other people that end up in prison with him out of, out of Pharaoh's house. One was the head of the butlers, and one was the head of the bakers in verse 2. They had done something that caused uh, the Pharaoh to be in disfavor. And so he threw them in prison, and there they were in prison with Joseph and spent some time there, and it ends up that both of these fellows had a dream. And they couldn't understand what their dream meant. And Joseph heard them talking about it and inquired as to what the dreams were, and verse 8, he identifies the fact that, uh, tell them to me, do not interpretations belong to God. In other words, he's saying, I'll tell them to God, God will tell me what the interpretation is, and I'll tell you. 
Well, all right. Chief Butler told his dream about going out and uh, to the vine and taking off some some grapes that grew in a very peculiar way and making juice and presenting it back to Pharaoh and so on. And uh, Joseph interpreted his dream, but in three days you're going to be restored to your position in the kingdom of Pharaoh. Well, the butler uh, was well pleased with, uh, with his report, and so the baker said, all right, I'll tell you mine. Verse 16 and following, the baker begins to tell... Uh, what he had done, how that he had a basket upon his head with all kinds of breads in them, baked goods. And birds came down and ate the bread out of the basket. And uh, Joseph told him straight out that the interpretation of your dream is in three days you're going to have your head lifted off of your shoulders. You're going to be dead. You're going to be executed is the meaning of the term. And that's exactly what happened. In three days, Pharaoh restored his butler, and uh, he executed by beheading the uh, chief of, of his bakers. Now, you would think that this, none of this fits together, but as we go through it, we can see God at work. There needed to be the setup of somebody who dreamed, who could interpret dreams, because there is a dream coming on from Pharaoh in chapter 41. Pharaoh has a dream. As a matter of fact, he has two dreams. One night he dreamed he was standing out by the river. And while he was standing there, he saw seven very fine, sleek, fat cows come up out of the river. That's what kind means, you'll see there in verse 2. They certainly were good-looking, and they went out to feed in the meadow. And right behind them came seven very skinny cows, very ill-favored, very mean. And they ate up the, five, the seven uh, fat cows, and they didn't gain anything. They were just as skinny as ever after they ate them. He had another dream. This dream was seven ears of corn, very fine ears of corn, all on one stalk, very good, very full. And suddenly there are seven very thin ears, just blisters, if nothing else, that, that have been ruined by a strong, hot east wind. And those seven thin ears devoured, in verse 7, the seven full ears, and suddenly Pharaoh was awake and he was bothered by his dream and he didn't know what it meant. And he began to inquire amongst his wise people. Nobody could interpret the dreams. And then all of a sudden, the baker remembered when I was in prison, there was a young lad there who was a Hebrew that had been the servant of Potiphar. And he interpreted my dream and the dream of the butler, or the baker. He can do it. And so Pharaoh calls Joseph out of prison. He cleans himself up and comes and appears before the Pharaoh. And the Pharaoh says, I understand you can interpret dreams. And 
And uh, so he gives Joseph the dreams. And in verse 28 of the 41st chapter, something that is very important, I think, and we ought to get a message from it. When Joseph said to Pharaoh, what God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. He gave God the credit for what he's about to interpret. This is God's handiwork. And we'll see this all the way through, and I want to come back to it at the end. He said what is going to happen, there's going to be seven years of plenty all across the land of Egypt. And there's going to be seven years of famine all across Egypt. That's what these sevens mean. Both dreams mean the same thing. And he advised Pharaoh to find somebody who was a wise man that he could put in charge in order to lay up and store all these seven good years in order that he might have plenty to carry him over the seven lean years. And it so happens that Pharaoh turned to Joseph and said, Well, you're the man. I will put you in charge. You're going to be second only to me in command. You will ride in the parades in the second chariot. You'll be my, you will be me in everything in this land. And nobody can, can do anything without your authority. And you will direct the affairs of the laying up in store. Isn't it interesting that a, that a boy who was a dreamer, just a young lad, could rise so quickly to the second command of a tremendous nation like Egypt, but it was God's hand at work, you see, preparing Egypt for the Hebrew people because he needed to prepare a people to be the nation through whom Jesus Christ would come. They had to develop. Well, all right. Down to verse 45, it's interesting. I don't know if you know that Joseph has another name. Uh, Joseph's name that was given to him by Pharaoh, Zaknath Paniah. You want to call him that or you'd rather call him Joseph? That was his Egyptian name, and he was given a wife. It's very interesting that the wife he was given, her name is Asenath. He, she is the daughter of Potipharah, who happens to be the priest of On. Here is a daughter of a pagan priest that becomes the wife of Joseph. Now, Joseph has two sons by his wife, one named Ephraim and one named Manasseh. You may remember those names in the tribes of Israel on the maps that you see of the 12 tribes of Israel. You see, there is not a tribe named Joseph. Those na uh, He didn't have a tribe named after him, but the, the names of the tribes were given to to his two sons, and although they're half Egyptian, they still play their part in the uh, Hebrew nation. All right. Uh, let's go over to verse 42, and we'll have to do all the rest of this pretty quickly. The famine does come after the seven years of plenty, and back home in Cana, Joseph's father and his 11 brothers and all of their family are beginning to experience the suffering of the drought. They had nothing to eat. And finally, uh, 
Jacob says to his ten older boys, you're going to have to go down to Egypt and buy us some, some grain that we can have something to eat. He just keeps Benjamin, the young lad at home, and sends the ten older ones down there. We find all this story in verses 42, 43, and 44. When they get down there, they meet somebody. They don't know that it is their brother Joseph, and he treats them fairly harshly, although he recognizes them. And he does grant them, to make a long story short, the request to buy grain, and uh, he sends them on their way home with the grain, except uh, he puts all the money right back in the sacks with the grain and then sends soldiers out to catch them and bring them back. And he insists on one of their number staying, which happened to be Simeon, stay as a hostage, and he will not be released until the others go home and get young Benjamin and bring him. They do this. Simeon stays behind. They take the grain and go home and tell their father what had happened. And he grieves over the possibility that he might have to lose Benjamin as well as he's lost Joseph. The grain runs out and they're forced now to make another trip. And... Uh, uh, the boys remind their father that that man in Egypt said, don't you come back unless you bring Benjamin. The father is beside himself with grief, not knowing what to do, for fear that he would send Benjamin down there and he would lose him. In the process, he's lost Joseph, his favorite son, and his second favorite son is now about to be sent down to Egypt, perhaps never to return. Well, finally it has to happen, and so Benjamin goes down. And uh, when they start home this time, Joseph puts his favorite drinking cup in the sack of grain that, uh, that is on Benjamin's animal, and then they go out and find him again and accuse them of uh, stealing from uh, the second man in charge, Joseph, and bring them back. And then he reveals himself to his brothers. In, in chapter 45, down in verse 4, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. He identifies himself. But the important thing that I think we need to notice is in verse 5, when he says, Be not grieved nor angry with yourselves. Can you imagine what these boys were going through with? They had sold their brother, and now they're standing in front of him, and they are bowing. The very thing they said they would not do back when he was 17 years old, when he had the dream about the sheaves bowing. They are now bowing before him, and they are feeling anger and grief with themselves. They are afraid of what Joseph is going to do. They are very angry that they got themselves in this situation. But notice what he says. Grieve not nor anger with yourselves that ye sold me hither. Why? For God did send me before you to preserve life. There was the purpose of God in all of these things. Now you and I are faced with difficulties all our lives. We don't know why things happen like they do. But someday we look back and we see that that episode in our history 
back last year, two years, five years, 10, 20 years ago, had a place to play because it put us in a particular location at a particular time because God had a plan for us to fill. He had a purpose. I think we must realize that God is in control. And although we cannot understand at all why things happen the way they happen, and may never understand in our lifetime. It is not our need to understand. Our need is to do nothing but be obedient to God and let God control the patterns of our life. It was God's plan to put Joseph in Egypt. He had to get him there. And the process that, that was selected was for him to be the dreamer that would be hated, that would be sold, that would be put in prison, that would be brought out of prison and put in charge of, of the nation in order that he could preserve the Hebrew nation. Isn't it interesting that for that purpose all of these things took place? And I think it's true in your life and in mine as well. Amen. How many souls are we being prepared to deal with, to be responsible for, by our times of difficulties? And I've never been in prison, and maybe none of you ever have, I don't suppose you have, but we've had our times of extreme difficulties, and, and the Lord can take those events and make something good out of them. I'm convinced of that as anything I can be convinced of. When something is happening in our lives that we cannot understand, we've just got to believe there is a reason, there's a purpose, and out of it, something good is going to happen. God has a plan. And he's going to bring it about. We simply will fit into that picture. Well, Now, to shorten it up, the boys are sent home to get their father and all of the people that are there, 70 uh, souls, and bring them into Egypt. And they went to the land of Goshen, the best part of Goshen, and there they lived. And that nation lived there for 400 years in order to develop them into a nation that could go back out of Egypt, go back up to the very land that they left, and possess it, and set up the establishment for the coming of the Messiah. That was the whole purpose. Let me close with, with to me, something that's interesting. You may find it as dull as it can be, but I want you to go to, to uh, uh, 40... 49, chapter 49. Jacob's in Egypt. He's getting old. About ready to die. And he calls his family around and he's going to pass on the family blessing to somebody. I made a point of telling you that in chapter 35 told us that Reuben was the oldest boy. And uh, we would think that through Reuben, the family would develop. He would be the head of the family. It always has been that way, with few exceptions. But uh, they're not called uh, 
Reubenites. They're called Jews. Uh, I want you to, to look at something here. Verse 3. Reuben, here's the father, talking to his family, his 12 boys and others. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, and the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. And then notice what he says about him. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel. You're rejected. Then he turns, verse 5. There's a reason for it, and we're not going to deal with the reason. He slept with one of his father's concubines. Chapter, verse 5. Simeon and Levi, he speaks to them next, our brethren. Instruments of cruelty are in their habitation. They were very cruel boys. They murdered. We'll not deal with them. So he rejects them. Three of the first ones are rejected. Verse 8. Judah is where we get Jews. Thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. He becomes the head of the family. And the man dies. Now, there are ten fellows scared to death. Their father's gone. Now they are at the mercy of Joseph. And over in chapter 50 and verse 17, they come to him as a, as a group. And they have some very humbling things to say to him now. They were very smart alecky back when he was a young man, just coming into his prime. But now they say in verse 17, Forgive, I pray thee now, the trespasses of thy brethren and their sins, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespasses of the servants of God and of thy Father. They prayed for forgiveness. Sometimes that's necessary that we ask for forgiveness from one another, from brothers and sisters, from father and mother, from friends, from people within the church, and people outside the church. There are times that we need to ask for forgiveness because we have done wrong. Then the second part, and I think even more importantly, was Joseph's attitude. The end of verse 17, and Joseph wept when they spake unto him. Do you think Joseph was hard-hearted? This man was soft-hearted. He forgave them. They asked he forgave them. In verse 20, he explains it all. He says, but as for you, ye fought evil against me. Yes, that's exactly what they did. They fought evil against him. They intended to kill him. Then they decided that they'd make some money off of him and sell him. They thought they had gotten rid of him. They intended evil. Right? There's no doubt about that. They intended evil. But look what he says. But God meant it unto good. You see, God can take the evil of one man and make it good for another man. It was good for them. God meant it for good. And he brought it to pass. 
verse 21, he says, I will nourish you. And the latter portion of that verse says, and he comforted them and spake kindly unto them. This is the attitude of a godly man or a godly woman is to return good for evil, kindness for sin. When one person means it evil, do not to be spiteful, but forgive, because God has something good that he can bring out of it. I think it's seen well in Joseph's life. He was the great man he was because he was forgiving even against those who tried to kill him. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you like what you hear, hit the subscribe button. You'll receive automatic notifications and downloads when a new message is added to the podcast. Also, please leave a five-star review and take the opportunity to share stories, memories, and appreciation for James Sheets and how God used him to impact your life. If you'd like to know why and how this podcast got started, check out our first episode. Lastly, if you want to donate to help offset the cost of operating this podcast, you'll find a link to our PayPal account in the podcast description and email us at james.com sheets.podcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and remember to trust in God for today and for all of your tomorrows.